I'm Brandon Amoroso, and this is the D2Z Podcast, building and growing your business from a Gen Z perspective. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to D2Z, a podcast about using the Gen Z mindset to grow your business. I'm Gen Z entrepreneur Brandon Amoroso, founder and president of Retention as a Service Agency, Electric. Today, I'm talking with Josh Fonger, owner of WTS Enterprises, helping small business owners really take control or get back control of their business system so that they can maximize their life. Josh, thanks for coming on. Excited to have you on. Yeah, likewise. Thanks, Brandon. So before we jump into some uh, specific topics here, could you just give everybody a quick sort of background on, on yourself? Sure. Yeah. So uh, background is uh, undergraduate in architecture. And then uh, after I did real estate for a number of years, I got a master's in business and wanted to be a real estate developer until 2007 and eight happened, which I guess the Gen Z crowd probably understands. That was a big real estate crash. And um, at that point, I had to figure out, you know, what am I going to do with my life? Because uh, me, along with everyone else I knew, got laid off. And uh, I had several kids at the time. And so I had to figure out how, how to make some money. And um, after trying everything I could possibly think of for about nine months um, and losing my house, car, living in my in-laws condo, and thinking, um, this is not going so well. Uh, you, you, you get your master's in business, you think you're going to start making some good money, and went mm-hmm. the opposite direction. And that uh, that's when I first became a business consultant, and um, which is ironic because I wrote my thesis paper about why you should never hire a business consultant. And <laughs> so I was definitely not, I was not trying to start that career path, but that was, those are the only people that would hire me. And so at that point, um, you know, that was kind of like, uh, I guess God's sense of humor, you know, kind of that providentially happened to me. So basically, um, at that point in time, uh, I just started working on uh, flooring stores. So all different flooring stores of America, um, Florida America, carpet ones, I would fly to these various locations and then help them with their inside sales, outside sales, leadership development, strategic planning, uh, budgeting, merchandising, pricing, uh, help them through bankruptcy, you name it. I was just kind of like the jack of all trades consultant. Mm-hmm. And um, Flew around for about three years doing that, got really burned out and um, realized there had to be a better way to help companies that didn't ruin my life. And uh, then I you know, ran into Sam Carpenter. So for those watching the video, uh, author of the book, Work the System uh, up in Bend, Oregon. And um, uh, we hit it off. He's, um, he's in his seventies now. And so I was kind of like the, um, the protege, right? So I kind of learned from him about how he systemize his business. Mm-hmm. And I realized that was kind of the missing piece that I was missing in my consulting was that I would help these companies out and then I would leave. And then a year later, they'd be back to where they were before. It's like they kind of slide back into their old habits. And then I'd go back there again, get them back on track, leave. Old habits would come back again. And um, his book and his methodology is all about realizing that your business is made up of a collection of systems. And so if you're able to break apart those systems and then ultimately document those systems, both the strategy, the principles, the procedures, the company can actually continue on that straight line or ideally an upward line uh, without you there. And so I realized that was what I had to bring into my consulting. And then um, then we just started working together. And so I've been doing that for over 10 years um, as kind of the, the field guy for work the system and um, coaching and consulting. And uh, now that uh, COVID's happened, a lot more remote work and uh, helping owners get you know, extracted from the day-to-day of their business so that 
they can actually have some freedom and ideally you know, start their other enterprises or things they want to do uh, without having been uh, tied to the day-to-day operation of their companies. Got it. And what are some of the, I mean, given all of your sort of consulting background, how do you navigate like going into a business, especially one that needs help? Because I feel like, especially when you're going into an environment where um, there might be some hostility, half the battle that you will face is like getting people to um, be comfortable with an outsider coming in and shaking things up a bit. How do you, how do you approach that? Uh, yeah. Well, I try to diffuse that in the beginning because I let them know, hey, I wouldn't want to have a consultant coming here either. Right. So um, I try to, you know, listen a lot in the beginning and ask a lot of questions. So whether it's uh, remote consulting or it's on site, um, there's always an assessment process and uh, a big thing for me is when I'm working with larger teams or larger companies is to listen and ask a lot of questions beginning about the leadership team about why things are the way they are, um, what everyone's goals are separately, and then to see what the alignment is in terms of what the owner, the person who hired me, ultimately their goal is. And the more ideas I can use from them and the more of their plans I can integrate into the ultimate plan, uh, typically the more successful a project is. Um, but, uh, it gets messy, right? Uh, you know, when I get into companies, it kind of depends on, you know, where the conflict is. And sometimes people need to go or sometimes people need to change or sometimes people need to be changed out or different seats in the bus. But as a, as an outsider, uh, it really helps, uh, like you said, be a catalyst. It helps to, to make change quickly, bring in a consultant in because I'm not going to be there. I might be there for a few weeks, maybe a few months, but I don't work there long-term. And so it's not as emotional. Um, it's not like I live there and it's not like these people are my, my best friends. And so I can really look more objectively at the numbers, more objectively at the, you know, where you actually want to get to and then help walk people through usually some, some sticky situations. But um, I mean, the first point you brought up is, you know, getting brought in. Um, most people don't bring in consultants. And I think it's because um, either they, they think they confidently have it on their own, which sometimes they do, or they haven't, had a, enough humbling activities happened in their life and their business yet to ask for help. Right. Um, so I usually get called in after something bad happens and then they're like, well, I need to do something. Got it. That, that makes sense. What, um, what are some of the, I guess, tips and tricks that, or things you're looking for as soon as you go into a business? Cause I'm sure there's certain things, even that, even if you're going into different industries, that are similar. Um, I'm sure some are industry specific, but what are some of the common uh, themes that you notice about why businesses aren't necessarily functioning properly? And I guess not to ask two questions at once, but to set the stage for that, what does a functioning business look like? And is that on a case-by-case basis for the owner or is there sort of a tried and true, this is what a successful functioning business looks like? Yeah, well, this is going to be pretty, you know, generic and, and high level because as a as an owner, you're kind of an artist or an architect. You get to decide, you know, what what does success look like? Does success look like working two hours a week, or does success look like making two million dollars a year? I mean, what is? I mean, you get to really define and you get to build an architect what that looks like. And so, for me, success would start with the owner actually having a plan. Uh, we call it a strategic objective. And then making sure that those involved 
um, have that communicated with them, and they're actually a part of that. Now, if you don't have that to begin with, it's going to be pr- pretty tough and pretty frustrating to reach success because it hasn't been defined and no one's helping to get there. So we, we always start with that. And then after that, we, we build some principles for the business as well. Uh, we call them general operating principles because the people of the team um, ideally are singing off the same song sheet. Right? So most companies have values or beliefs. Our, our version of it is operating principles because we want everyone who makes decisions to make decisions, but using the same rules. And so if you have those two things, at least strategically and culturally, the company is going to be functioning um, in harmony, which means you're going to be more efficient. And then on top of that, uh, we keep our model pretty simple is um, the processes, the procedures, the basically, you know, how the work gets done. And the more consistent the work can get done, uh, the better people get at the work, uh, the easier it is to hire, train, um, cross-train, bring people on. Uh, the more efficient the work tends to be, the more profitable the work tends to be, the higher quality, therefore the higher price point. And so our, our big thing is you want a well-functioning business. Well, have you written down a procedure and train your team on you know, how to answer the phone, for instance, or how to re- respond to that customer complaint? Like, is there a certain, like, is there actually a bullseye for each task? And do people actually know how to get to that bullseye consistently? And we want to work that through every department. And that's, it starts with a philosophy of doing it. And then it might take months or even years to, you know, figure out, so to speak, how do we do what we do? And, um, you know, as you know, things innovate, things change, technology changes, regulation changes. Um, Some of the offerings your company offers are going to change. And so um, you're never really done creating a perfect business, but as long as you have uh, clear strategy and clear principles, and you're starting to build up the consistent systems that make up and comprise the work, then you're going to have a really nice business, or at least a business where um, emergencies are few, fires are few, and then the leadership is able to actually you know, plan and develop and innovate as opposed to just fight fires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the uh, like one of I think one of the biggest unlocks for us as a growing agency was building out all those processes, whether it's PDF guides, Loom videos, tutorials, internal training. Um, I think, but on the other hand, it's one thing to build all them. It's another to make sure that they're disseminated appropriately across the organization and that they're actually used because if they're not used or if they're too hard to be found or if they're convoluted, then uh, that's obviously not, not a great place to be either. And I think I've worked at, in internships uh, during high school or college where there was like process for the sake of process and it would grind you down. And there, was, there wasn't this mentality of, uh, oh, we're always trying to improve our processes and get better. It was more like, this is the process. This is how you do it. Sort of like, you're a robot. Just execute against this, even if you think there's a way that we could potentially be doing it better. So when we did all that process implementation, I tried to like make it as obvious and communicated that to the entire team like just this is a stepping stone to continual improvement it's not meant to be like an inhibitor to you coming forward with ideas and, and stuff like that yeah and that that's one of the key ingredients is we, we try to we call it bottom up our bottom up philosophy is that um, people who are doing the work naturally are going to be able to learn better and faster ways of doing it shortcuts of doing it and so they need to have a way to communicate up what those best practices are 
And the management needs to be able to approve or at least oversee what those new innovations are. And in both cases, there needs to be a, a forum or platform to actually have those communications happen and stick because people come and go, but the systems will stay. And so that's how I, you know, it's not always the funnest work, uh, but when you build a culture and you build the systems in your business, uh, it does allow for uh, that two-way communication to not just happen, you know, over coffee, but actually stick in the business and become part of the infrastructure. And uh, the more simple, you can use that idea, simple and nimble um, and responsive your systems are, the more collaboration and the more involvement and the less robotic your team is going to feel. Um, you know, if it's, you know, hey, every once every five years, we update our procedures and they always come down from management or, you know, the central office, then people are really going to not really pay attention to them because they weren't a part of building them and they can't really change them. And so they're just doing them good enough to not get fired, but not really doing them to grow the business they're a part of. Right. And then there's not the buy-in that you need from the team around the organization because they're really just there as a spectator, not necessarily as an active contributor. Um, yeah. This is a pretty relevant conversation because I actually, and I want to get your thoughts on it. I was making some uh, like short clips last night for, for, for social. And um, I was out of the office for a week and like out of the office kind of, but um, it had me thinking that maybe a, gr a good test for business owners would be like leave for a week and see how much shit goes wrong. And then that can give you a really like sort of a uh, clear cut and dry look at whether or not your business is set up for success. Because if you can't even leave for a week and I mean, maybe in the early stages, obviously you wouldn't be able to, but if it's a business that's been around for a bit and you aren't able to remove yourself from it for a week and have things not just completely fall apart, then that will give you sort of a sense of where things are. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's another consulting group uh, that I've worked with on their podcast a while back. And that was, their thing was uh, 30 days. So the goal was 30 over the next I year. I do that. I would be <laughs> so stressed out. <laughs> so that, that was their whole platform. It was like, within a year, we're going to get you to the point where you take a whole month off. And, um, you know, not everyone wants to take a month off, but that, that's kind of like the true test is that a whole business cycle has, has happened. You know, you've had to like both pay your bills and you know, every, everything has had to happen within a month period. So if you can build a company that way, then you know you're, you're truly free. Um, but yeah, that you got to start small, right? The first thing is to, can I be gone for a day without checking? Can I be gone for a couple of days? And those are great tests uh, to run through. Um, I oftentimes, oftentimes find my best success with clients is if they ha have a hard date, like I'm going to go to on this vacation, it's you know, two months from now, be gone for two weeks. And then we start thinking, okay, all the, what are all the things that you do? And how do you need to be involved in your business? And then we break out those things piece by piece. And ideally, the, the idea is to you know systemize what those things are, either through automation or delegation or deletion or some way to basically take what they do that's natural and find ways where there's not the rest on their shoulders. And this is difficult for um, you know for, for founders and owners is that so much of the business success rests on their shoulders, and so much of the business knowledge is in their brain. They really have to figure out a way to separate themselves and make the business a separate entity. Uh, which is what we call in our business, the systems mindset, which is to practice mentally elevating yourself above the business. Even if you're doing the work right now, 
but see the work as separate from you. And therefore you can objectively see it and say, gosh, this area is inefficient or this area needs to be delegated. And then you can start to, you know, move forward with solutions that uh, take you to the next level. But if you always see yourself as the business and you continue to say the best, the best at doing all those tasks, because you probably already are the best at doing the tasks, you really can't ever grow. You can't scale. You can never uh, really grow the machine. Uh, and so that's a big part of what we do is, you know, remove those bottlenecks. Yeah. I think um, there's also things, well, I think business owners have trouble letting go of, of certain things. Um, and then there's also things that because you're so busy, like they're just easier for you to take care of them in that moment because the time it would take to like document it and then train somebody else to do it is too long. But then you end up with all of these little things, at least I did, where they'd take me maybe like an hour a week or two hours a week. And then I'd end up having to like do them on the weekends. And it would have taken me five or six hours to train somebody else to do it. But then I never would have had to do it again. So it was like getting to that point where I invested the time and having somebody else be able to do it was a was a big unlock. Because um, I just sort of wrote out, these are all the things that I'm doing. And there's so many little things that even though they're not hard necessarily, a lot of admin stuff, back office, whatever it may be, uh, it's not what you should be focused on. And it is a time suck as they all add up. Yep. Definitely. And I think that you just you know, gave a great uh, advice, great example there is that, you know, for someone to, you know, replace Brandon, that's probably impossible. But if you made a list of all those things like you did, well, someone could replace Brandon at mm-hmm. you know, file, filing these videos or whatever by, you know, retagging whatever this might be. And then you simplify what you do by breaking into pieces. And that's usually what I find is that uh, the people that are so hard to replace, it's because they play in too many sandboxes. They 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 do too many different things that are you know combined in unusual ways that they realize well no one else can do this, and that's that's an investment of time. Like you said, five hours uh, time and effort to build a system. But then once it's built, you don't have to do it anymore. And of course, the person who's doing that new system might leave, but then someone new can do it because you've documented it. And it really is a um, it's a strategy of slowing down to move faster. And a lot of people don't, don't hit that point until they hit their own personal breaking point. And, um, you know, if the owners have figured it out, then maybe the managers haven't figured it out. If the managers haven't figured it out, then the supervisors. And so there's always uh, levels or roadblocks within the kind of between the ears of the various leaders within the businesses. And so a big part of our goal in the book of work, the system is to let them know that, if they can just see their work as a, a compilation of systems, they're going to more easily be able to uh, move up and move forward and uh, ideally scale their business. So what is uh, what projects are you working on right now? Yeah, uh, well, me personally, um, podcast, right? So I'm on a lot of podcasts and really trying to get the word out there. The fourth edition of the book, Work the System, is kind of our, our big push. Um, this book has been out for over a decade, I think it's in six languages now. And so our goal is to continue to get the message out there. Um, the other project is certifying consultants. And so I have about uh, 10 other consultants who are certified in the method. And so people who are really into the book and really like helping companies, then I certify them and coach them and train them to help their own, right? Because I can't help help everybody. That's kind of the uh, that's kind of the bottleneck in our own business is that uh, I, a lot of the work I do is one-to-one. 
it's company to company. And so once I get busy, you know, who's going to help these people. And so that's the other thing. And so certifying consultants and then just helping my, my core clients. And so, um, I really love the work. I have done a lot of you know, training courses and webinars and seminars and events, but in the end, um, each owner in each company has, um, so many different variables that for me to really help and, to you know, review their financials, understand what their family goals are, you know, understand the nuance of their business team. Um, you know, webinars not going to do it. And so I really just prefer just to dig into companies and help them one-on-one. And are you working with specific industries uh, or is it all across the board? Uh, you, you know, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, it's all across the board, right? So I have um, a SaaS company I work with right now, a company that does, uh, you know, mass volume writing, link building company, a CPA, uh, someone who is an ear what are they called an ear doctor? It's a number of these hearing aid centers, uh, car wash company. Uh, you know, I have a furniture company. You know, I've got I've got all these different companies. Can't list them all right now. But the uh, nonprofit, mental health. Um, so that's probably one of the unique things about people who work with me is they want somebody who has maybe a a, a wider view on business and more varied experience, so mm-hmm. that when they're coming to me with their problem or their difficulty. It's not just, Hey, our industry always does it this way. So just do it this way because this is our industry. Uh, I come at it with a variety of industries and hopefully uh, unique strategies and unique ways of, you know, positioning, pricing, branding that they might not have been aware of because they're just kind of in their vertical and they just do it their way. Uh, So yeah, I don't, I don't specialize in one industry. I just specialize in one method and the method really is query business, and you as the owner decrease your work time. So that's kind of the, the two two variables I really focus in on. Yeah, well, I think in your case, it's probably a good thing to not be hyper specific on industry. Whereas, like with me an e-commerce marketing agency, for us, one of the bigger unlocks was becoming hyper specific mm-hmm. and really digging into what made us unique and what we were best at. Um, so it's just interesting to see the the different the differences between two types of companies. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's great. I mean, I, I coach my consultants to specialize in industry because it'll make their lives uh, much easier. They'll have less gray hair at a young age. They'll, <laughs> they'll be really, you know, they'll dialed in. They'll know all the benchmarks. They'll know all the, the, the you know, the key performance numbers that are important, all the acronyms. They'll, they'll know all the jargon. Um, but for me, for whatever reason, uh, I've really just uh, attracted a, a wider network of clients and therefore, um, that's kind of been, been, I guess, the, the unique thing for me. But for those who want a specialist consultant, those are great too. And, and I wouldn't say that's a bad thing. It just uh, You're just more limited and you might just be doing it the way everyone else does without uh, maybe the, the innovation that someone from the outside might bring. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I think this was really insightful. Definitely a different like perspective for business owners to, to think about. Um, for people who are listening, where would be the best place for, for them to find you if they wanted to reach out? And some of these things are resonating with them, which I'm sure, sure. they are. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So if they're a busy business owner and they want to scale and they, they want to work with a coach or consultant, uh, I'd go to uh, WTSenterprises.com. That's um, for watching the video of this book right here. We have the summary of the book there for free. Of course, we have a business systems assessment as well. It's free. So that's WTSenterprises.com. And that's where I hang out. And, uh, you know, if this resonates, then uh, 
look forward to talking with you. Awesome. Awesome. We'll make sure to include that link in, in the show notes as well. So people can reach out. Um, I definitely have some, some follow-up questions and I'm going to myself probably go through some of these things because uh, a lot of what we've been talking about here uh, definitely resonates. Um, well, again, thank you so much for coming for everybody listening. As always, this is Brandon Amoroso. You can find me at brandonamoroso.com or electricmarketing.com uh, and we'll see you next time.